Local voices, local conversations. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. I'm Jeff Sheckman. Not only does the debate about medical marijuana go on, but the debate is heating up. Last October, Governor Brown and the legislature put in place a structure by which the issues can be considered by local communities, and additionally, several initiatives are working their way toward the November ballot, initiatives that could legalize the recreational use of marijuana similar to what Colorado has done. In the meantime, our local communities are speaking. Calistoga, St. Helena, American Canyon, and the county have all said no to any consideration. The city of Napa last night agreed to look for a second time at the possibility of an ordinance to allow medical marijuana in the city of Napa. We're going to talk about that today with a longtime advocate of medical marijuana, James Hinton. He joins me here in the studio today. James, thanks so much for coming in. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here. First of all, you've been uh, looking at this issue, I mean, albeit a lot of issues that, that you're interested in, but this is an issue that's been of particular concern to you that you've spoken up quite a bit about over the years. What got you interested in it in the first place? My health changed. Um, so back in 2013, I have a, I do have an autoimmune disease, psoriatic arthritis, and I had been treating it with Enbrel, which is an injection. You may have seen it advertised. We see the ads TV all the time, Bill right? Mickelson. Yep. So I was doing injections of that. I was taking uh, a lot of steroids, uh, prednisone, lidocaine, and those injections in the knee and the ankle every three months. I was using uh, steroid topicals on my skin, skin salves. Um, I was taking prednisone pills. I had anything the doctors could throw at me, I was I was taking it. And um, so in May of 2013, my doctors told me that I may have some kind of uh, cancer with my pancreas or liver and that I need to uh, make some changes. So that's when I pursued uh, medical marijuana. I was 37 years old when I took my first hit. You know, I grew up, uh, my dad taught me Ronald Reagan's line that uh, he had absolute proof that smoking even one marijuana cigarette did as much brain damage as surviving an H-bomb blast on Bikini Island. So I stayed away Plus from it. Plus it was a gateway to heroin and things yeah, that were even yeah, worse. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't want to lose my calculator I had. I was really sharp at math, and uh, so I stayed away from it. I was really good at poker. I stayed away from it for years because I never wanted to compromise my poker skills or any of that. And then when my doctor advised me to do it, you know, I said, well, won't this uh, kill my brain cells? I mean, how long can I smoke it before I'm brain dead, basically, you know? He's like, no, you got it wrong. This is not going to hurt you, okay? Alcohol will kill you, he said, you know? And um, so I started using it more. He told me to use it for stress and... Um, as I used it for stress, I just found so much, um, my body just started getting so much healthier with my arthritis, my skin, my psoriasis. And, you know, stuff kept popping up online. I did more and more research, started uh, investigating it more. And I went to some cannabis uh, lectures about it where some doctors would talk about it. And I pursued the skin creams they said that were out there mm -hmm. to relieve arthritis and it was amazing i came back from santa rosa from the emerald cup 
and my feet were so sore the next day from walking around. I mean, it took me 20 minutes to get out of bed and make it down the stairs. By the time I would put my feet on the floor, gingerly walk around to get to the bathroom and back and down the stairs, it was a long process every day. And I put this cream on my left foot. About five minutes later, the coffee pot rang. I got up. I go, wow. There was no pain in my left foot. And my right foot still hurt. And I didn't realize how much pain I was in until I could see the side-by-side. And it was amazing ever since then. I started fighting all of my arthritis pain with just all-natural skin sauce, where they've taken the cannabis oil, they've infused it with, uh, you know, olive oil, coconut oil, or something like that. Then they'll blend it in with shea butter and other all-natural ingredients, maybe some wintergreen oil, maybe some lavender. You know, there's all kinds of other herbs that offer mm-hmm. therapeutic uh, relief for inflammation and stuff. And they make these skin creams. And they're so affordable. That's the other thing people don't know. But they're so wonderful. You can get relief sometimes within 10 minutes. I've seen people with chronic back pain. There's a spray out there, external cream. It's spraying on like a suntan lotion. It just mists out. And you could do a couple squirts on your back, and within 10 minutes, you'll feel fine. Where you could take, you know, I would take a handful for a leave every morning just to start. And then usually a couple hours later, I'd take at least two more, maybe four more. I haven't taken... This was for the arthritis? Yeah. Once I started smoking pot and um, taking... I haven't taken one. I haven't had an, an Advil or Tylenol. I haven't had a headache in two and a half years. How much of things like the cream and, and some of the things you were talking about, how much do you attribute or do you attribute any of it to a kind of placebo effect? Some people would think that that might be a consideration. Well, you know, I've studied so much and we, our body has a nervous system and we have the endocannabinoid system. And the endocannabinoid system... Uh, is responsible for basically if you want to twinkle your fingers, you know, your mind is going to send impulses through your body through these endocannabinoid receptors to twinkle your fingers. And when my arthritis pain was caused by uh, something I'm eating is more than likely forcing a mineral out of my bone into my joint to cause friction to cause inflammation. And when there's that inflammation, now the endocannabinoid system, those connectors, they can't communicate. And that's what causes our pain and our nerves and all this stuff. So by stimulating that endocannabinoid system, it allowed my body to connect all the dots to repair itself and rebuild itself. And I think that's really, um, you know, there were times where I changed my diet when I was on the pharmaceutical drugs. Because a lot of people have accused me of getting better for eating healthy and nothing having to do with the medical cannabis. But even when I was on the prescription drugs and I altered my diet, we went with uh, a whole whole foods, you know, organic. They said, mm-hmm. get rid of this, the preservatives and stuff like that. I was not getting well. I wasn't getting well. But when I started using the cannabis, I mean, the skin just cleared up. It, it was amazing. I just, I can't explain it. Um, and the pain has gone away. So I think there's, you know, there's 22,000 or more peer-reviewed journals you can look up on um, WebMD that, you know, 
<laughs> there's so much research out there that support this. Um, so you got involved because of your own health situation, and what effort did you have to go through? How difficult was it for you to find outlets for medical marijuana? Well, um, I first started with it, you know, I got some from somebody I knew, somebody I trusted, somebody I knew, uh, got me a, a, a portion, a large amount that I could use for a while, and, and I wouldn't have to keep it at home like my mm -hmm. doctor advised me. And then when I found out about the skin cream possibility, that's when I said, okay, now I need to go get a prescription so that I can go find these skin creams and I can go pursue this path. And that happened about two years ago. So that was in November of 2013 when I went and went into the and, and did that. And I was a little afraid to go in the dispensaries at first. I mean, I grew mm -hmm. up in Napa. We were afraid of Vallejo. To think <laughs> I'm going to now go buy drugs in Vallejo, it was a little intimidating for me. So I wasn't uh, very comfortable. That's why I went at first. I went to the Emerald Cup, which was a large festival at the Santa Rosa Fairgrounds that brought together a lot of doctors and such. And there mm -hmm. were was, was some seminars I listened to and got to learn a lot more about the medicinal side of things. And, uh, you know, that's... How have you reacted as you've seen more and more cities lately kind of closing the door to any discussion of this? It breaks my heart. I think they're acting out of fear, you know, and I think if they would just uh, embrace uh, the opportunity to tax and regulate, they could bring, create jobs, uh, bring in revenue for their cities that they need. I mean, St. Helena's underwater, right? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you think they could stand a million dollars worth of sales tax generated from a medical marijuana dispensary up there? They would help their city out. And they could do it. You know, I think at my letter the other day, the other day you know, it, it talks about how everybody wants to get a tax bond this year. You know, the school here mm -hmm. wants a tax bond. The Napa Valley Unified School District wants a tax bond. The parks, the, the, the sewer rates going up 53%. Everybody's outraged over this. This is a multi-million dollar black market that they could hone in i mean they can tax and regulate it just the sales tax alone if you do if it just if if you have three thousand dollars worth of sales a day in this county that is a million dollars a year that would be eighty thousand. what have you discovered and, and yeah. let's stay focused on napa because you know it as you grew up here as you say how widespread is the demand here in Napa County based on what you know, people you know, and, and, and your experience? There's a lot more patients in this community than you think. Every day it shocks me when people tell me, oh, I grow or I have a card. or it's, 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 I would say there are, I would probably say there's more than 2,000 people in Napa County with a doctor's recommendation right now. Up to date, I'd say two thousand people in our in, out of our at least, and that could be a lot more. But some of these dispensaries, I know, they have had thousands of people over the last couple of years come in from Napa County, whether it's American Canyon or Napa or even Up Valley. Talk a little bit about the city. You went to the Napa City Council meeting last night, where there's an effort to think about this issue again, to open up the door a little bit to to some kind of an ordinance. Yeah, it was very encouraging. Um, 
they had a Rick Tooker did a nice introduction about, you know, what kind of changes had been been made. And then they opened the door for the public to comment. And I would say about 20 people supported them to move forward with an ordinance and uh, six people were against it. And the city council was able to, in the end, you know, side more with the, the people who supported it. And Sedgley did a great job at the end, you know, of getting them to move forward now because some of them were saying, you know, okay, we hear you, we're for it, but now's not the right time. Let's wait till 2018 or 2016. But Sedgley at the end was able to talk them into saying, no, let's move forward now. You know, everybody's tired of waiting on the government. This has been going on since 1996. We've spent $100,000 designing an ordinance. It's pretty good. It's not perfect. We'll tweak it. We'll bring it back. And let's start talking to people and see what we can do. So I'm, I'm What was the reason? What were the, the voices that were expressed with respect to waiting? What was the reason for waiting? Well, because they're so afraid that, we're going to vote on something in 2016 that's going to change everything. And, you know, if you're following Gavin Newsom, he's basically declared himself the governor of California coming up pretty soon. He supports this medical marijuana. He supports some pathway to recreational legalization. You've got our former board of supervisor and freshman assembly member, Bill Dodd, who voted for this bill. Lois Walk voted for this bill, okay, supported it. So the state of California is moving in a direction. I really don't think they're going to scrap all this and say, okay, here it is. It's legal now and it's unregulated. Do whatever you want. That's not going to happen. If, you know, Scott was able to advise them, look, we're going to find somebody who wants to work with us. They know that the state's going to be changing the laws, and that's up to them. You know, they're going to have to follow whatever they they come up with, and I'm sure we can find someone who's willing to, to try it. We can't guarantee them they're going to be successful with the new laws or whatever, but, you know, we can give them a shot. So, Based on what you heard last night and you were there, what is your sense of, of what happens next? They, they've asked staff to come back with some recommendations with a revised ordinance. Yeah, so they'll come back with a revised ordinance, and then they're going to debate issues like the zoning, where they should be, how many. Right now they're feeling one, and I hope they will reconsider that and have a non-monopoly. Let's get at least two operators, but I would like to see four to start with. Um, they're going to talk about growing. And the reason for that? The reason you want to see more than one? Competition is good for everyone. Um, in Vallejo, you have you know, X amount. And if you only have one How many does Vallejo have, do you know? They're down to about nine now. Mm-hmm. They had over 40 recently, and uh, they got it regulated down to about nine. So if you, they were only gonna, they were gonna try to get it down to one or two. And we told them, if you have one or two, the lines are gonna be so long because it's not, you don't just walk up and buy and leave. It's, you, you have to check in with your identification. There's a whole process you Mm -hmm. have to go through to get your medicine just like you do when you go to the pharmacy you know you got to wait for your number to get it's a long process to pick up your prescription drugs and it's the same thing with medical marijuana it's not a quick process they check everything Um, there's a lot going on there so if you only have one access point 
then you're going to have long lines, and that will lead people to turn to the black market. Why do I want to spend more and wait in line for an hour or a half an hour when I can just call up Tom, who'll come over with the bag, and then you have the black market again? So let's make sure there's enough. And if they start with one and then move forward, you know, I'm okay if they start with one. I'm not going to – at least they're starting. They're beginning the process. But – we already can see from other cities who've done reports on the population versus the right number of dispensaries, it looks like one per 25,000 people is about right. And if we're going to be the only operators in the whole county, you know, we're going to be serving Up Valley, maybe American Canyon. They may go to Vallejo. So, you know, three or four dispensaries would probably be right for Napa. Given that Napa is a relatively small town, I mean, by, by most standards— is it your sense that, and, and you touched on this a little while ago, the number of people that have cards, the number of people that, that purchase is far more than, than most people would think. Are people going to feel comfortable going to someplace in Napa, running into people that they know, as opposed to going out of town? I don't think anybody has a problem with running into anybody else inside a dispensary. I think the people who are part of the uh, medical marijuana. They are not afraid to have a conversation with somebody else. I mean, actually, it's, it's, you get a lot. When you go, you, they'll, you'll probably have a great conversation because you'll want to learn, hey, what are you, you trying? What's working for you? you know? What helps you out? And that's, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think people would be afraid of being seen inside by other members of the community. Now, maybe they don't want to be seen parked in front of it, you know, just like at the liquor store. Some people don't like going to the liquor store and buying bottles of booze. And they send people in to buy their, you know, or they go to a certain place that's off the beaten path so no one sees them buying. It's the same thing. They may, I mean, I'm not afraid, you know, and if some people are going to be, some people are just like that. So there will be people who will be afraid, but, and maybe they want to have a delivery. I'm not against delivery service. I want to come back to the medicinal aspect of it a little bit. And how do you know, and I want to use you as an example, how do you know what the right amount is, what the right dose is? There, there doesn't seem to be a fr- any kind of a framework or any kind of a baseline for any of that. Well, I think it's hard to gauge what's the right amount to smoke. I mean, you can kind of tell as you use it, you know, when, when you've had enough. But the edible department is getting better and better Every day. Um, I don't know if you've seen the gum like that comes uh, in the individually packaged uh, plastic containers. You know, you pop out each one. They have the same thing now for medical cannabis. Instead of just having a chocolate bar that has 500 milligrams of cannabis into one bar and you are recommended to eat a quarter of this at a time, now they have the chocolates broken down into individual pieces that are completely low dosed out and measured every single piece so that a patient can actually know a whole lot more about what's in there. The labeling's getting better, whether the f- products are organic, what, you know, the labeling is really coming along. So I, th- I think the, and that's the biggest one is the edibles, because when you have too much edibles, you have a reaction, you know, you'll either fall asleep or you won't want to get up or something, you know, <laughs> and, and you don't want to be uh, you know, you want to be careful and, and you want to manage your edibles correctly. I don't, I don't 
prefer edibles. You know, I, I like the skin creams and the tinctures mm-hmm. that. Uh, what is your sense of how law enforcement is looking at this right now? Well, I think a lot of law enforcement is for it. I mean, they're tired of, you know, going after this. Um, you can look at uh, the former police chief from Seattle. He just, uh, there's a new book out uh, by Paul Armentano called uh, Marijuana is Safer Than Alcohol, So Why Are We Driving People to Drink? And in the forward, the former police chief from Seattle, I think his name is Norm Stomper. but I think that's right. He went around and he said, you know, it occurred to him one day. So he began to ask people a question. He asked everybody who worked for him and everyone he's seen. He said, hey, when was the last time you had to fight someone who was on marijuana? And I don't mean who was smoking pot and drinking tequila or a six-pack of beer. That was just high. And most of the officers would pause and they'd think and say, well, I've never had to fight somebody or, you know. But when he asked somebody, hey, when was the last time you had to fight a drunk? They would look down at their watch and say, well, (laughs) three hours ago, yesterday, whatever. It happens all the time. They have to fight somebody who's been drinking. So he really started a lot of this. And um, I think there's, you see a lot of law enforcement is on the side of legalizing it and regulating it. I know the seems like the highway patrol is for, you know, regulating it. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of law enforcement that are for it. What about the issue of smoking and driving? That We don't have a, a baseline to deal with that. We certainly do with respect to alcohol and driving. We have a way to measure it. That's correct. Um, you know, there's one thing I, I, I do believe is I don't think a lot of people get stoned and make bad decisions like driving when they're stoned. I think most people, they smoke pot and they, they sit on the couch if they've had too much or they go to bed and they're at home. I don't think it's a, a major they problem. They might have to drive to the 7-Eleven, though. <laughs> they got to call Domino's and get a delivery, you know. But um, I don't think it's a, as much of a issue out there as, you know, people are afraid that this is going to be a big issue. And, you know, Possibly, like I said, eating edibles and driving could become an issue because it can sneak up on somebody that's behind the wheel. They could think, oh, I'm fine, and they leave. And then sometimes they take hours to hit you, not just 90 minutes. Sometimes some of these, uh, the way they they bond to the oils, they react differently in your body, and, and some of them take longer to hit you. So, you know, I do not encourage anybody to be smoking or doing edibles and driving. I don't encourage kids to be eating edibles either. It's um, it's for adults who are using it at home. You know, it's to relieve pain. What about the concern about more of it to the extent that there's more medical marijuana around or even legalized for recreational use, more of it getting in the hands of kids? Well, I think that was a big issue last night at the mm-hmm. city council. Right. And that was the school department in Barbara Nemco's angle. They just kept pushing. And I'll tell you, though, the other side of the audience, they came back with uh, better reports, better statistics, because medical marijuana dispensary operators are licensed and regulated. And they follow the rules because they don't want to lose their license. You know, this is a good, good spot to be in. You don't see... A lot of liquor stores selling cigarettes to children because they risk a, a $25,000 fine. 
And, you know, if you have it regulated and put the black market out, so if they have a dispensary in Napa that is also going to be able to source the medicine locally so they can have affordable prices, we won't have a black market. We won't have bad actors selling to children or... or um, it won't end up on our school because they'll be cautious. If you go to a medical, try to go down to a medical marijuana dispensary and buy without a, buy without a, uh, a card and see what happens. There's nine dispensaries now in Vallejo, and those are nine good operators that pro- proved that they could pay taxes and follow the rules, okay? And that's why they're there. So there may have been some before that were unlicensed and unregulated that acted bad, but we've, we've gotten rid of those in Vallejo. And if Napa would tax and regulate it and choose good actors to come in, we'll clean up. There won't be any more. What about individuals growing and more of that as this becomes more commonplace? Well, I definitely support the patient's right to cultivate. I cultivated three plants in my backyard last year, and they came out wonderful. No one got shot, um, (laughs) you know, and I was able to put a licking on my arthritis with it. So... It, it, it totally makes it more affordable, you know. Um, it, it can be expensive to, you know, sometimes smoke, but it's it's still a lot cheaper than prescription drugs. If you didn't have insurance and tried to buy prescription drugs, I mean, they're, they're sometimes hundreds of times more expensive, literally 100 times more expensive than right. cannabis. I mean, so, uh, for example, topical skin creams composed of steroids – I bought one called Talconex with no insurance. I paid over $800 for it at CVS one day. It was like $830 or $865. I shelled out $100 bills out of my poker bankroll to purchase <laughs> this steroid topical that was patented that my doctor prescribed me. I can now go buy a skin cream from external at a dispensary in Vallejo for less than 20 bucks. I get changed back from a $20 bill. I mean, this is wonderful. They're like $12 or something like that. So in that regards, medical marijuana is cheaper. But when you don't have insurance at all, you know, an eighth of it, if you want to go buy a top shelf eighth, it would be $59 or so in Vallejo. Now, if you can grow it at home, you can, you can really bring the price down a lot. So I do support the patient's right to cultivate because – they are collectives, okay? Some patients will grow for the other patients. You know, if, if some of these guys aren't growing at home, then I don't have any medicine to buy at that dispensary. So the medicine has to be sourced from somewhere. Philip Morris isn't growing it right now, okay? It's the patients that are growing it for other patients. So that's the thing. The city needs to put together so, an ordinance. Well, which really brings up the next point. What does the city need to do, this city or any city, but, but Napa specifically because that's what we're talking about, need to do beyond just the dispensary in order to allow that kind of growth at home? They need to permit commercial cultivation. We don't want to see any more fires in people's homes for trying to make honey oil, which they call deemed to be concentrate and bad, but honey oil could be someone's Rick Simpson oil that is their cancer medicine. That could be the thing that they're putting under their tongue to fight some kind of cancer with or putting on their skin. So honey oil is necessary and it would be so much safer in our community if we didn't have indoor grows as much as we do, like closet, like the county ordinance. You can only grow in a 
25 square foot under lock and key. No greenhouse, no sun grown, only indoor, 25 square foot. That is a recipe for a house fire. <laughs> it is. That is not good for us. I mean, if you've got 600 acres in the county, you're telling me, and you've got a doctor's recommendation because you've got glaucoma, that you can't grow a couple plants in your backyard under the sun the way Mother Nature intended to fight your glaucoma? This is what we need. And so I am very discouraged by the county. But the city, um, I was hoping would work in concert with the county, that the county would allow for commercial cultivations, and then that way the city could bring in a couple dispensaries, and those commercial sites could, could provide the medicine at affordable price. So if you go out, say, by in the industrial zone by the airport, mm-hmm. you've got Sheriff John R- Robertson right there, who is a great watchdog on crime. The, dispen- the, the cultivation would be right under his nose, okay, right there around the corner from him. I think it would be very safe for a community to have a greenhouse, okay, that could – there are some that Supervisor Caldwell identified in Colorado that could be models of success that would work well out there. And this is what I want to see. I want to see the ability to, to grow in a greenhouse some organic medicine that would house these dispensaries. And then if we need to have – Somebody else somewhere in a warehouse turned it into oils or concentrates so that we can have our skin solves and our tinctures that some people need. Like um, you have a product, product out there called Jaden's Juice, which is a tincture that some of these kids are using that are suffering from seizures. They're putting a couple drops into this under their tongue. Okay. We need somebody else to manufacture these oils for us. So we're going to need to see them... Um, embrace this legislation that Bill Dodd sponsored. It's set up to have middlemen and, you know, growers and cultivators and the uh, to make the oils and then the dispensaries. It's, it's, it's set up many different ways. And Napa needs to look at it and start. They should form a citizens action committee. They should get a couple patients, a couple people from law enforcement, somebody from the Board of Supervisors, somebody from every city council. They should get together and they should draft a countywide um, policy that's going to allow an operator, if they want to, in any city, that's going to allow. Right. Well, the doors seem pretty closed in, in the other cities at this point. Yeah, they're hammering them down as they go. I mean, in Calistoga, St. Helena, and American Canyon. Yeah, and the county basically just did the same thing Last yesterday. week, right. But I'm going to file a referendum, and we're going to hit the streets and see if we A can. local referendum. Yeah. We're going to try to protect our rights to grow outdoor. This is insane, making it um, illegal to grow outdoor. You know, we keep arresting pe- people in this community. That needs to come to an end. Um, we need to hone in. What do we know in terms of what a state initiative might look like at this point? Well... I'm hoping to get the CCHI, which is the original one, the Jack Herrer Initiative. That's the most libertarian-like one out there. And that gives us a clean place to start with. That way we can, we can amend it immediately. And then we have something from scratch to go back to. So I would like to see that one be adopted, and then we can adjust it as needed. But, and what does that one provide for? Oh, it's, it opens the door for industrial hemp in California. It decriminalizes it. It uh, helps 
to liberate people who are incarcerated for nonviolent offenses in California. It allows patients to grow up to 99 plants. Um, it doesn't allow for ba draconian bans and such. It's, it's very good. And like I said, you can immediately, our, our legislator can immediately amend it and, and say, okay, well, this is great, but we know that right now this is the proper way to deal with this, and they can, they can, they can put whatever they want in there. So, but what we're facing is a possibility of the Sean Parker Initiative, they're calling it. And this is not very popular with a lot of cannabis, medicinal cannabis patients, because what it does is it limits the amount of medicine, limits the number of plants you can grow, and it allows the amount of medicine you can possess to be very limited. And that will force you to have to always turn to the market. And, and, and you know, you won't be able to cultivate enough to, to stay, you know, with your own supply. So a lot of people are against it because it's, it's too draconian. So if communities like this embrace Bill Dodd's legislation that's going to open the door for safe access to all-natural medicine for the suffering patients. You may see patients like myself reject the, uh, the Sean Parker because we don't want to make this, you know, the, the Philip Morris of marijuana in California. You know, I want to keep it organic. Uh, the, the CCHI bans Monsanto from being involved in the cannabis business here. You know, no, it's only heirloom seeds, you mm -hmm. know, so... There's, there's just so much possibilities out there, and uh, we're going to have to see what happens. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. We'll, so I, we'll I do come back and have this conversation any, again in uh, several months and see where it goes. Yeah, I hope if anybody does see a petition out there to get any of the initiatives on the ballot, please sign them all, and we'll have at least a chance to vote on which initiative we do or don't want that's best for us. But it's really important if you see people standing with a clipboard in front of a grocery store <laughs> that you listen up and sign some of these petitions this, this year and, and see what so happens. So you'd be in favor of all of them being on the ballot and just let people decide? Well, I'm, I support the right to have an election. Mm. You know, mm. I was very involved recently in a referendum for Senate Bill 277, which is the vaccine bill. Mm. And this bill, this referendum was sabotaged. We lost over 100,000 signatures in the middle of the night before we had to turn them in. They went missing. As many as like 27,000 signatures from one county went missing in the middle of the night. So getting uh, California, something on the ballot in California is tough. And uh, I, I want to see the California Cannabis Hemp Initiative, the CCHI. That's the one that's being circulated now. I want to see that one make the ballot. If that one fails to get enough signatures to make the ballot, then we'll have to look at, okay, well, what's the next one coming up that has the best chance to represent me? And I'll make that endorsement when I see it. James Hinton, I thank you so much for coming in. Well, thanks for having me. Next time you're here, we'll talk uh, local politics. That sounds terrific. All right. Thanks a lot. I don't think that went as well as we could have. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.